So the scripture this morning is Joshua chapters, uh, chapter, chapter three. three, verses seven through seventeen. I have it right here. But anyway, um, I would like you to stand for the reading of God's word, and and I would like you to think about something as we read this this morning. This is part of a story of God dealing with His people. And so it's part of our story, because we are God's people. This is something that really happened, and it is a part of our history as God's people. And so as we worship this morning, as we worship by hearing the word, we should be taken up into this story. It becomes a part of who we are. So keep that in mind as we're reading this this morning. It says, And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so that they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord, your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. See, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose twelve men from the tribes of Israel one from each tribe. As soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the ark of the covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage during, is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet, As soon as the priest who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water stood, or the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap, a great heap, a distance away, at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing to the Sea of the Araba. The salt sea was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Dean. You may be seated. I just want you to know, um, Julie came trotting in just prior to worship service today. She's been babysitting um, raccoons in our chimney. We were hoping somebody would show up to remove them, but they have not done so yet. So, yeah, they're, they're all. It's a mama and her babies, and. And Logan, welcome home for a while. He's on leave with us from the Army. 
glad to have you here. And God bless you and thanks for what you're doing. Interesting story. Um, and I don't know what, when you look at this, I don't know what your takeaway is. But here's what I see. We all have problems and they come in all kinds of sizes, don't they? Um, some are biggies. You know what I mean? They're daunting. They're crushing. They're even impossible. It, it's the bad news diagnosis from the doctor or the unexpected layoff or the financial setback or the police officer at your door. It's, I think, the kind of, of thing that, that Peter was referring to in 1 Peter 4.12 where he said, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. He's talking about pretty big stuff when he talks about fiery trials. It's, it's hard. And uh, we probably can all relate to that. We've all been through a fiery trial or two, I would imagine. But what, what I'm, talk, I'm not talking about that kind of thing this morning. I'm talking about the things uh, that slow you down, get in the way, frustrate you, and test your patience. The kind of things that I'm really lousy at. You know, I think I do pretty good when the big stuff happens. It's like... You know, I might be a little fearful, but I go to God and I just trust Him. But this kind of stuff, uh, you know what I mean? Like, why is traffic stopping? <laughs> and you get up there and it's somebody on the other side of the freeway and everybody had that, you know, rubberneck on their way by. And So they, these aren't the kind of things that are life-threatening or disastrous. Rather, they'd be more in the category of bothersome and irritating. They're the kinds of things we have to deal with, at least in most cases, on pretty much an everyday basis. And again, I'm not good at these, and maybe it's because it's the kind of things that, you know, well, I can do this, I can handle this, I can figure this out. It's not the kind of thing that I need to bother God with. Do you, got, do you ever kind of find yourself, I, there's just stuff that, my wife's a lot better than that, uh, at that than I am. You know, she loses the keys and she prays about it. I lose the keys and it's like, <laughs> We uh, a couple of Christmases ago, Julie and our oldest daughter Kim and I were headed to Washington State because her family gets together every other Christmas at a lodge in the Cascade Mountains, and and it's just a tradition that has come together over the last thirty years, probably. And we have a route we like to take, you know, across beautiful Southern Wyoming. Up through Utah, Ogden, and then you take, uh, you kind of angle off toward, uh, Burley, Idaho. But it was snowing and that angle was closed because of ground blizzard. Oh. So we had to go this way to Pocatello and, you know, added three hours to the journey and it's like, press a, press a I've been driving long enough already. I, I'm just not as good as the, at those things as I should be. And so think about what Joshua was facing here. Now, if you read the previous chapter, and we talked about that, the spies had already gone over, crossed over to Jericho, done their thing, and come back. 
The river was crossable. Now certainly the challenge would have been greater considering the sheer numbers of people having to cross along with their livestock and belongings. No doubt about that. But it was doable. Bottom line, what Joshua faced here was a river of inconvenience. Did you know that problems are often inconveniences, but they can be opportunities? So what are those opportunities? Well, they're opportunities to develop as leaders. Opportunities to develop as leaders. Now, some of you may be tempted to check out right now. You're thinking, well, I'm not a leader. Because we think of leaders in terms of presidents and CEOs and generals and congressmen and district superintendents and people in charge of ministries and pastors. And since none of these titles apply to me, I must not be a leader. Listen, we're all leaders in some way to somebody. Some of us have obvious leadership roles. We are paid or assigned or elected to be a leader in some capacity. We're managers or teachers or supervisors or board members. And even if you're not any of those things now, one or more of those things could be in your future. But just because these things don't describe you doesn't mean that you aren't leading. See, there are those who look to you as an example. They come to you for advice. They watch to see how you handle certain situations. So maybe, unbeknownst to you, there are people in your life who look to you as a leader. They may be co-workers, friends, family members, people you go to church with. Maybe your children and grandchildren, although they probably wouldn't admit it. You are a leader to someone. And since that's true, you should be a good leader. And God wants to help you rise to that level. So how does He do that? I prayed about it. He brings challenges and problems into our lives that we have to deal with. Again, they might be the big kind, but most of the time they're those things that we deal with pretty regularly that are just inconvenient. Now when you talk about leadership on a spiritual level, it requires a lot of trust. You know... um, Pastors that don't have the trust of their congregations really don't last long. And spiritual trust comes when people are confident that the, the person they're looking to is sensitive to the leading of the Spirit and are committed to do the will of God and know what that will is. And in verse 7, the first verse that, that um, Dean read today, It says, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of Israel. God's speaking to Joshua here. Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of Israel. What's God saying to Joshua? He's saying, today I will increase the level of confidence that the people of Israel have in you as a leader. 
How would that happen? Well, it also says that they would know that God was with Joshua like he was with Moses. Remember, Moses had led them for 40 years and they'd see God do some incredible things through Moses. And so they're needing to understand that Joshua is going to be that kind of leader too because God is with him as well. And how, how would this happen? How would they know that God was with Joshua? Well, how they would know was that God would give Joshua a plan for getting across the Jordan River that wasn't anything anyone expected. In other words, it would come in a way that Joshua couldn't pull off. He, it wasn't going to be a matter of Joshua saying, you know what, folks, let's just wait till flood stages pass and hey, we'll trot right on across. No. Uh, it wasn't because he would find a place maybe upstream or downstream where the river was shallow enough to ford. No. It wasn't because he would f- uh, develop a way to ferry people across. No. Now, what would cement Joshua as a leader in their eyes was his relationship with God and his reliance on God's plan for getting across. And that plan turned out to be pretty spectacular. So what cements us as a leader in people's eyes is our faith in God and our faith in His plan to get us through our rivers of inconvenience. How do we handle those? And and that evidence in our lives is not only our trust in God, but the spirit in which we approach those situations as they arise. No panic, no frustration, no striving, but rather a calm confidence in what God will do to get us through whatever that river of inconvenience is in our lives. Here's what the Apostle Paul had to say, and honestly, I look to this scripture a lot. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. And this is from the Living Bible because I like the way he phrases it here. Don't worry about anything. Got a river to cross here. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs and don't forget to thank Him for His answers. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will keep your thoughts and your hearts quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. So if that's you, when you're practicing things that way, and those rivers of inconvenience are blocking your path, but you're going to God with the issue, and you're thanking Him for what you've seen Him do in your life already, and you experience this wonderful peace, your heart's quiet, you're trusting in Jesus, people are looking at you and saying, how do they do that? That's the kind of person I can follow. The second opportunity here is an opportunity to build your faith. Verse 10. Because of what I'm going to do to get you across the river, this is how you will know then that the living God is among you and that He will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, Jebusites, Campsites, Foresites, Hindsites, all of those sites. 
They're, they're going down. God is saying, I'm about to do something that will be a demonstration of my power. Something that you can look at and say, if God can do this, then He can do that. In this case, the this would be stopping the flow of the Jordan River so that they could cross on dry ground. If God can do this, stop the Jordan River. And the that would be driving out all these different groups of people that they had to drive out of the land of Canaan. Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. So if God can do this, then you know what? I think He can do that too. See, there was, there was not gonna, there was not gonna be anything easy about the task of conquering the, the land that God had given them, that He'd promised to them. <clears throat> but what God was about to do would be a clear demonstration to His people of His power to do what He said He would do. Now, remember, this generation that was about to cross the Jordan was not there when God parted the Red Sea. When God gave the Ten Commandments. When God made water flow from a rock. They had not witnessed the power of God in the way their parents had. That generation was gone. So God was about to give them a little demonstration of what He could do in order to build their faith for the greater challenges ahead. Make sense? You know, Jesus did the same thing with His disciples. I think He did. As I read the Scripture and look at the New Testament and Jesus' interaction, let's think about that for a minute. Jesus turns water into wine. He heals the sick, including a man with leprosy and the paralyzed servant of a Roman centurion. Now, that, those should have been faith-building exercises for the disciples, don't you think? But what happened when they needed to cross a lake in a storm? So more faith building. Let's try casting out some demons and some more healings and raising a little girl from the dead and feeding thousands of people with a kid's lunch. Then one day, Jesus sends the disciples across the lake and decides to stay behind to pray for a while. And when he's finished, instead of walking around the lake shore taking the long road, he decides just to walk across the lake. He's taking a short cross shortcut across the water. And when the disciples see him, they're freaked out. I mean, it's got to be a ghost. Nobody walks on water, right? But Peter wants to try it. That's cool. I'd like to try that. And he gets out of the boat and starts to walk to Jesus, but his faith falters and he sinks. And you know, I give Peter a D... But I give the rest of the disciples an F because at least Peter got out of the boat. And so there's some more faith building. 
So again, Jesus feeds thousands with only a handful of food and more healings and more demons cast out. And a man raised from the dead who'd been in the tomb long enough that he was starting to stink. But when it came to the resurrection of Jesus Himself, they could not believe it till they saw it. Sounds a lot like me. And maybe you. Here's what's happening. The goal is that as God works through the minor things, the rivers of inconvenience in our lives, those kind of problems we face, then when the storms of life do come, when we need to step into unknown territory, when we are struggling with the impossible and God says, don't worry, I've got this, we believe Him. Because we've seen Him get so many of these other smaller things in our lives already. Remember that passage I read from Philippians just a few moments ago? Tell God your needs and don't forget to thank Him for His answer. I'm telling you, Paul, he, he didn't just put that in there as an afterthought. There was really a purpose for that. Don't forget to thank Him for His answers. See, those answers that we are to thank God for are the faith builders in our lives that ready us for the greater challenges that we will face. Go back and think about what God's done in your life already. Think about the healing or the provision or the protection or whatever it may have been in your life that God's done already. And now you're up against this thing. Look back. I got you across the river. Pretty spectacular, wasn't it? I think we can handle this. So those, those rivers of inconvenience that seem to cross our paths maybe on a daily or weekly basis, I don't know. They're faith builders as we watch God work through those smaller things in our lives. An opportunity to build our faith. And then there, these problems that we face can be opportunities to experience God's power. Now, keep in mind that the Jordan River did not present an insurmountable challenge for the Israelites. It was an inconvenience. It was nothing like the challenge Moses faced at the Red Sea. The Red Sea was a huge body of water. The Jordan River is generally a small river. The Egyptian army was in hot pursuit of Moses and the people of Israel. No one was chasing Joshua. In fact, they were going to be the ones to do the chasing here pretty soon. Crossing the Red Sea was impossible for Moses. For Joshua, crossing the Jordan was only difficult. For Moses, the situation was do or die. Joshua had plenty of options, as I previously mentioned. Well, we could wait, we could ferry, we could find a shallower place. There's options. Moses needed a miracle. Joshua could have handled things on his own. It would have been easy to leave God out of the equation. Okay, guys, we've got to cross this river. Let me hear your ideas. He could have, but he didn't. He didn't handle it as on, on his own because God made it clear to Joshua that this was an opportunity to experience God's power. 
Joshua didn't have to have a miracle, but he got one. And so God did his thing in the all-cross in about ten minutes. No way! (laughs) Come on! I was supposed to get a little more of a reaction than that. Where's that? Say that in the scripture? Then he crossed in ten minutes. Can you imagine how long it actually took for that procession to make its way across the pathway that God had created for them? All those people and all those critters and all their junk that they were taking in with them. And think about this. The water from upstream was piling up this whole time. That's what I'd have been doing about the middle. And so, man, can you imagine if you thought about that? Because God's stopping it all. And it said it was piling up a great pile. And in my mind, if that river, and it was still flowing upstream, that pile was getting higher and higher and higher. Pretty powerful stuff when you think about it. But what about those times in our lives when God doesn't stop the river upstream? The river of inconvenience. And let us walk through on dry land. Well, sometimes God does want us to ford the river. How do we see his power then? Well, Isaiah tells us in chapter 43, verse 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. That's still God's power at work. Well, if you've ever crossed a swift moving river, you know how important these words are because it can sweep, they, they can easily, the waters can easily sweep over you. All these fly fishermen who get out there in the middle sometimes and you're. And you'd like to cross straight across because in the move of the river you kind of do this number, you know. So what does all of this tell us? Well, it shows us that we don't have to handle life's minor problems all alone. God wants to be involved in the rivers of inconvenience in our lives. We can bring these things to Him. When you lose your keys, man, I hate to lose my keys. I don't lose those very often, but I lose my glasses all the time. God wants to be a part of even the smallest details of our lives. You know, you can get across the river on your own. You can go without me. It's up to you. But hey, if you let me get involved, who knows what will happen. Folks, we cannot escape life's little problems. They're inevitable. But, but they are not the inconveniences they appear to be. They can actually help us if we use them as God intended to our advantage. Life's little problems help us become better leaders, strengthen our faith, and let us experience God's power in different ways, ways that we might not have ever seen before. Amen? Amen. Could I ask those who will be Uh, serving us this morning. We're going to partake of communion. And if you would come forward.
And you can begin serving us right now as soon as you're prepared to do so.